you know what I watched last night for the first time in a while was the Succession pilot. So, oh yes. Oh, I want to get back into that. I want to get back into that. It. Uh, I. I don't know when the last time you watched it was. Um. I don't. I don't know if you did a video on Succession. I watched or not. it contemporaneously with I think season two coming out. Right, because you were a little late on the. Yeah. But you haven't seen it since you finished the but series. But I haven't right? seen it since then. No. Totally different. Uh, totally different vibe. Oh, like yeah. rewatching it and knowing like with the context. Just like knowing so much more about all these characters, like especially like Logan himself, like he's kind of presented as like this like feeble guy in the yeah. in the first episode, and he's got like like he's kind of grumpy and stuff, but and he like but then you, I don't know you can kind of see him like really playing everybody in a much more obvious way. Probably the most anticipated uh, show. Of the rest of the year, for of sure. The rest of the year, yeah. Well, Survivor episode forty-one, but other than that, <laughs> or not for, episodes. Sorry. Do you season. mean for you or just for everybody? Oh, uh, for everybody, of course. Everybody watches Survivor. <laughs> I know. I know some oh, people oh, are oh. a little. And the finale. Oh, no, go ahead. Sir, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, and the finale uh, season of Lucifer, obviously. Oh, Tip right. of everybody's yes. tongue. <laughs> Where everybody's talking about Lucifer. A little, a uh, little factoid about our our boy Mike White, the uh, writer and director, creator of. He was the, on Survivor, the right? White Lotuses. He was on Survivor. Yeah, he did pretty well too. Yeah. Um. Also played uh, Ned Schneebly in the School of Rock movie, and he's responsible for the Emoji movie. So. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> he's got quite the CV going into. He's into been this. all over the place. Uh, hello and welcome to Stream Theory. My name is Jackson. I run the channel Skip Intro, and with us, I don't know why I say with us because it's going to be on your hosted on your channel. So yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I am with I'm you a... as always is Thomas White. <laughs> I am with I am with us. So it's in a it's very in a very cosmic sense. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> with part of you know we're all we're all one. We're all part of the same you know united cosmos or whatever. So. We're all with each other. Oh, I, I, we're these, still working on in Twin these Peaks. Dark times, right? Yes, we're st we're still working on Twin Peaks. But I actually had teased at the last at the my most recent like video essay that I was thinking about doing an episode about Twin Peaks and True Detective and the Satanic Panic. And uh, then I got someone DM me on Twitter telling me like, no, but you have to make sure that you don't talk about the, the satanic temple or something, the temple of Satan or something, because they're wrong and don't believe any of the good press that they get. They're not the real. And I was like, I maybe I won't. <laughs> maybe I won't do this. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, we are planning. We are planning on eventually getting to getting back to Twin Peaks. We've just been failures. Uh, at watching you know, I think TV. it's something that you really want to digest. It's a, you know, you hit that episode, that episode eight, and that's a doozy. And then, like, the show doesn't get any easier to watch after that. Uh, and, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot. It's a lot to process. So, and I think, yeah, with everything else I've had going on this summer, I, well, really, really the killer that did me in was I made that David Lynch video, and I watched like back to back in the space of one week, like five different David Lynch movies. And I think that just like, that's a lot of Lynch. I, yeah, I had my share of Lynch for a while. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll uh... get to it. We'll get to it eventually. But this episode, besides the other things we talk about, we're going to be talking about uh, the white Lotus because everybody's talking about the white Lotus. So I, some people are definitely talking about the white Lotus. Um, I, t I told you that it. everyone was talking about it and you were surprised. So obviously not everybody's talking about it, but I don't know who my, my corner of Twitter definitely was all about the white Lotus. So uh, I don't really have a corner of Twitter anymore. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know what people are talking about or aren't talking about. So, uh, if you're to me, if you're talking about the White Lotus, that's basically everything. <laughs> it's all it's all or nothing with Thomas. He's like, wow, everyone is talking about Lucifer right now. What yeah. a weird show for everyone to be into. It's a lot of hype. It's kind of crazy. Uh, so the White Lotus is, uh, for those of you who don't know, is the HBO uh, series miniseries. It was a uh, it was 
probably originally supposed to be a limited series, um, but it got renewed for a second season. Oh, uh, I didn't yes, know that. With all new cast members. So it's going to be like an anthology series. Nice. Um, it's from Mike White of uh, many different things fame. Uh, Survivor. We the Survivor, emoji movie. The emoji movies. Um, I should probably describe what it's actually about, which is about this hotel resort in Hawaii. And a bunch of people come and uh, they vacation there and they're incredibly wealthy. And uh, the it's a very much like a uh, upstairs, downstairs kind of dynamic where we follow the wealthy families and also the, the help who are kind of uh, being exploited and uh, just invisible to them other than all of an outlet for their frustration with things that aren't going perfectly on their vacation. Um, and, uh, it's, it's really about that kind of tension, I guess. And it's a, it's in tone wise, it's a pretty, it's like a comedic satire. So there's dramatic elements, but like overall, uh, it's, it's closer to something like succession than I'd say it's even more comedic than succession. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Um, it reminded me a lot of Knives Out when I was watching it. Um, yeah. yeah. In terms of tone, not in terms of... Well, I guess there's a murder mystery as well. The The show starts with a, a mysterious body being loaded onto the plane. <laughs> and then it goes, all right, let's, let's figure out what happened a week, a week earlier. Um, so, yeah. Uh, how'd you, how did, did you... Did you like The White Lotus? I really enjoyed it. I basically, I went into it very blind. I hadn't seen any hype. I just like was literally flipping through HBO Max and was like, oh, what's this? And started, we started watching it and then finished it in two nights. So that's music to HBO's ears. Yes, that's exactly what <laughs> HBO wants to, to be happening. Um, I loved it. I thought uh, the, the, um, the, the satire and the comedy i don't know it was like i enjoy satire a lot but there's not a lot of um satire made right now uh i don't know is that even accurate my impression is that i don't know i feel like veep veep was the last is kind of the last thing that i've watched that felt like really well-produced well-written satire and well since i then, mean it, there hasn't been a lot that i've watched that's like in that vein i mean this is nothing like veep really no um, i i guess you could argue that succession is kind of satirical right um, or there there are shows with satirical elements but i'm not sure that anything has been as effective as this was a lot of times or not recently anyways a lot of times you end up with these like satire shows that are like they're satire but they're really just like embracing whatever they're satirizing um, yes. they, uh which is like a common critique against like the anti-hero movement uh it's like you just kind of like anti-heroes you're not you're not like yeah, making right. a commentary on them <laughs> uh which or, is fine or or the set i mean there's kind of been a sentiment that i've seen go go around where it's like oh the times we live in have become somehow like un you know you can't parody them because they're too ridiculous they're too absurd blah 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 uh and when i watched this i was like oh that's obviously false um yeah that this does that well it's just it you just have to be deft enough at how you do it i think yeah um, that was the argument against like the last season of veep people were like this is just yeah. i just don't want to watch this i don't want to watch a satire about incompetent people in the white house right yeah right now maybe later <laughs> with a show like veep it's difficult because it like it spanned so much time that like you have an ingrained format and tone right. and literally within the course of eight years whatever the show ran like the world changed a lot at least especially the political landscape that was being sort of critiqued or or looked at uh satirically so veep is one of those shows that falls into that same kind of trap though because like i would listen to um the uh, you ever listen to those uh the pod save america guys uh they they had like a podcast that was like they're like former obama white house people and they'd be like oh here's how 
the politics should be, I guess. Uh, and they would always be like, the show that is the most like reality is Veep. And it's like, it's very boring and, right. and yes. silly and fun. And I was like, I don't know if that's like what you want to be putting out into the world <laughs> that Veep is like correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What did, I, what did you, what, what, what did you think of the show? So you were the one who told me to check it out. You were like, I think you will dig this. And you were right. I, I think it's probably, I think it's probably one of my favorite shows of the year so far. Um, I haven't done my, my list or anything, but, um, it's gotta be up there. I would agree with that. Yeah. And to me, it, what is awesome about white Lotus, um, and I'm really happy that there's going to be a second season because it's one of those shows that I think is, it shows how like great TV can be in terms of like the specific things that TV can do. It can be about an ensemble cast. It can be about like multiple angles of the of the same like space it's much more a show about like this location and this this place than necessarily any specific story or any specific character and just like this place where these two uh groups come into conflict with each other and it doesn't really have any answers for it because there's not really like any answers for like imperialism colonialism <laughs> capitalism uh like the it's like and they just like make you sit with it for a long time and yeah. it just like keeps meditating on it from different angles and i've always really enjoyed that about tv and the way that it it can kind of just like marinate on things rather than uh have to like reach some kind of conclusion or tell a specific story i mean obviously they're they're concrete like character arcs in right, in right. the show it but that's not like i think what uh it's not what like makes me interested in thinking about it or talking about it it's more just like all of these different angles on the same thing so one of the themes that they talk about a lot is colonialism they're in hawaii which is obviously a a, a former kingdom i i'm not sure I, that i'm showing off my colonial roots <laughs> uh but uh, you know it was kind of colonized by the united states and uh the turned into a, a resort island and most of the culture native culture has been like erased or co-opted for you know rich white people to go and and visit and uh i think that tension is like very central and i really liked how they explored that through all the lenses of these different characters um some some worse than others uh in terms of how much we hate them but i i really appreciated that like gradation of of um of 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 characters to explore that with yeah maybe we should give a brief overview of like some, some of the characters that you that you see and we'll we'll uh, announce before we get into any spoilers if we go if we go there but uh, sure there's so many different like great uh, send-ups of basically like the 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 people of our time <laughs> right this show like you have the worst so let's address the worst guy I, I was thinking as soon as I finished it I was like I don't know if this has been done I'm sure it's been done yet but I was like I should make a list ranking them from <laughs> worst to from bad to worst best to worst so like well the setup I think you briefly mentioned the setup of the show is you start in an airport at like at the end of the vacation there's a little flash forward at the beginning and you see one of the guests leaving Hawaii and then there's also a dead body being loaded onto the plane and you don't know who the body is so you and know he one, looks at it remorsefully yes one person makes it out alive you learn that he was uh, that his wife is not with him. That was his honeymoon, but his wife isn't with him in the airport. That's and right. that somebody on the trip, on the vacation, died and is being loaded onto the plane. So that's the context you have going into the show. And then in the next scene, you're kind of introduced to all the characters that you're going to be spending this vacation with. So the entire time, you know, like, at least one person makes it out and at least one person is dying. And as That's the right. show goes on, you progressively realize that the one person you definitely wish was in the box is the person who's definitely not going into the It's the, the guy who is definitely not in the box, right? <laughs> um, you, I, I feel like they do a really good job of like 
uh, hiding and, and like playing with who you think is going to be in the box. Like there are a lot of like red herrings that don't feel like manipulative or like they're leading. Like, I think there's lots of different, um, characters who give like hints to it. Yeah. Uh, it's like, Oh, that's going to, it's going to be them or it's going to be them. Uh, and the only one that, you know, is not in the box is the husband. And I mean, if we were making the bad to worst, obviously he's, he's the worst. He's the absolute worst. So there's like four groups of people that we are four like, yeah, let's call it four groups of people. So there's the, the husband and his wife who are together at the beginning of the honeymoon. Obviously, I guess Um, it's their honeymoon and they're newlyweds, obviously. And they're that's Rachel and Shane. And then there's uh, a wealthy family with a daughter and a son. um, And the daughter is in college and has brought along a friend from college who is um, a person of color. I'm not sure exactly. I I believe latin latino latina i think so um i don't think they ever explicitly say it um and then there's uh that's relevant because that becomes a dynamic and sort yes of, uh... yes <laughs> i'm not just yeah not, <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> of of all of the people who are guests she is the only one who is not white yeah um there is jennifer coolidge's character who is there to spread her mother's ashes um, and is a complete alcoholic mess. Um, and then there is the hotel manager um, and the and the people under him, Armand, uh, who is, uh, you know, he's a hotel manager. He's, yeah. he's mustachioed. Uh, he's very outgoing, but in a way where you can also tell that he kind of, you know, he's been in customer service. He doesn't, he yeah. doesn't, he's got that fake customer service voice and you, you know what he's really thinking, but he's good at hiding it. I love. I was re when I was rewatching the pilot this morning. Uh, it was reminding me of how like when you're first introduced to him, he he presents. He's presenting to this trainee that's with him, his kind of ethos of like, you know, uh, service, and he's like describing it as sort of like a vague kabuki theater where you're just like you know you disappear into you know nothingness and yeah, and then like it's like 10 minutes later he says something almost completely contradictory to that where he's like (laughs) you basically don't want to give the guests what they want like you're just there to be mean like mommy who like doesn't and it's (laughs) i just love that he's very like he's very impressed with his own like uh he's definitely he's definitely uh smoking his own supply (laughs) yeah (laughs) but he he ends up being one of the slightly more sympathetic characters uh in there the aren't show. many it's, sympathetic characters. There are not the- many, uh, but I think if only if only for the fact that he is the main sort of uh, he's the main enemy of the person you hate the most, which is that's right, Shane. Shane. Yeah. Uh, Shane is constantly complaining about how he's in the second largest suite, even though he was paying for the pineapple suite. Yeah. Um, and he's like, "That's the one I want to be in," but there's like, there's like. Uh, Armand accidentally like double booked it you find out pretty early and he just keeps like trying to hide that fact because that's what you do in customer service <laughs> and uh, yeah and, and Shane is just like out to get him over this because yeah. he's just determined to have a terrible time I guess yes. I don't yeah. know he's the, he's the worst he's the worst <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that it, what you said about the the kabuki like vague vagueness where it's like invisible help is one of the like main themes of the show and you get it with a lot of the hotel staff which you'll see you'll like meet a new hotel staff member and then something will happen to them and they will just disappear and never to be thought of or heard from again like in that pilot episode he's armand is explaining to lonnie who is uh hiding a pregnancy while she is training and she goes into labor and she goes and she has the baby um and then you never hear about her ever again and that's just like the end and it's just like next next person up uh and nobody cares uh or like none of the guests care and or even know and armand is like constantly forgetting that she exists or like that she her name he didn't even know what her name was the entire pilot episode and um 
yeah, I think that that's just like central to the and without giving anything away, I think that's where kind of the show ends. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's it's like final note is like life goes this this machine keeps turning on and or churning on and doesn't really care about any of the people in this like lower group, this lower yeah. status group. One of the things that I I um really liked about sort of its its I guess you could say critique of the society we live in or whatever is how it shows you have all these characters, these different guests that are at the resort, they're in this position of privilege, they're on this luxury vacation, and they're in a scenario that's sort of like exploitative of the, uh, you know, the indigenous culture or environment, and also is just exploitative of the workers that aren't treated very well, they're being mistreated. Uh, in certain ways, or at least they just are like a punching bag for these, you know, uh, guests' sense of entitlement in a lot of ways. Um, it's it's all ornamental, right? Like there's the the hula dances and like the the indigenous performances, but that's just like something to watch while you eat right. dinner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and the but but what the show does a really great job of showcasing is how like there's in there's these layers and this infighting and classism within the group of guests so you have like shane and his fiance there's like classism between him and her where you know she's like really impressed by this whole thing and this this the room that you know she's like oh this room is great and he's like looking down on her for you know, the fact that she doesn't have as much money as he does or, you know, didn't grow up as wealthy as him. There's infighting between, like, the mom of the family, of the the larger family and the daughter and her friend. They kind of, you know, squabble. Yeah. There's, there's these different layers. And so it, it shows kind of some of that tension and all these different kind of casts of characters that exist still within, like, a, a very privileged position and i think that like speaks to this sense that we have sometimes of like getting caught up in almost a kind of like infighting or like thinking like oh i'm good because technically i'm better than my mom who is a you know neoliberal neocon uh yeah. you know, tech ceo but then you're still a party to you know the same uh, problematic system that she is, uh, and everybody is sort of complicit in a lot of the same problems. Yeah, well, the the mother daughter dynamic uh, by the end of the show is my the one that I found most interesting. Um, the daughter's played by Sydney Sweeney, and the mother is Connie Britton. And she, Connie Britton, is like early on is talking about how great Hillary Clinton is and how she's a how she's an icon and all this other stuff so she's like very strongly signaling like where she's at and uh olivia the daughter is talking about you know yeah okay mom whatever because she's like much more she's younger she's like uh gen z and she's in college and she's got all of the like buzzwords about imperialism and systemic racism and colonialism and all and that stuff they're reading all the books they they're like, reading all the books. They're always her and her friend Paula are always just like reading these books and getting hit on by Shane because I guess he's into like seventeen year olds or whatever. I guess they're not seventeen because they're in college, right, but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then you kind of find as the show goes on and the different storylines play out, the different arcs play out, and uh, Olivia's relationship with Paula gets more explored and. Uh, you realize that it's just it's just using the same vocabulary like the same way that Olivia's mom thinks that she is progressive because she loves Hillary Clinton yeah is the same way that Sydney Sweeney's character Olivia is going to be seen in in yeah. a certain number of years like you can tell that she thinks that she's really woke and whatever even though she's participating in this same like taking she's always taking from um from her friend or from the the indigenous people who work at the at the hotel and uh yeah it, and 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 by the end of the show she and she and uh olivia are, are hugging so uh i think that's like a, a pretty strong bookend to the whole thing 
Yeah. Yeah, there's not um there's not it's a pretty it's a pretty cynical show in that it doesn't really offer like you already mentioned, it doesn't really offer any solutions. Like there's a lot of different characters that would kind of be like the stereotypes of of uh you know privilege in the society that we live in um and and none of them i guess we're kind of getting we might as well get into spoiler territory yeah uh, to absolutely. really discuss the show so if you hadn't seen haven't seen all of it yet we'll we'll um we're i'm sure we sold it. them yeah but uh but none of them are really presented as like a solution like none of the people who are a part of who none of the guests are able to like kind of transcend the problematic system that they're inside. Um, well, I, I think most of them don't really want to. Um, right. You sent me this, this video essay last week that I haven't been able to stop thinking about. And it's gone kind of viral. I saw Hank. I've Green seen other people. Everybody's yeah. talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is about Bo Burnham's inside uh, which you and I have both <laughs> talked extensively about in the past um, and how it embodies kind of like white liberal dread of liberals finding out, you know, having that awakening moment of, oh, my God, there's so much inequality in the world and, and stuff like that. And then kind of just wanting to, like, step back and forget about it because it'd be great if we it'd just be very convenient to forget about it and just retreat into your own bubble or even just wallow in that like that like oh no everything is yeah. so bad and i don't know where you're going but oh i was just gonna say that i feel like that's kind of the place where most of the 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 guests end up you know right. uh that's kind of i there's a moment where the husband of uh connie Britton's husband whose name I can't remember, uh, who's a trip. Uh, my favorite scenes in the show are him talking to his son in the pool during scuba training. Those one were the, one of the iconic. Best scenes, there, there's a scene where they're sitting on the beach uh, at the beginning, and, and he's like, the dad's like, oh, he's like, growing up as a, as a boy must just be like so tough these days. And the, the kid's like, why? Because we can't, uh, what does he say? He's like, um, we can't harass people. I think yeah, he says. why? Because we can't harass women or something. And he's like, and he's yeah. Like, he thinks about it. <laughs> My favorite is when the father finds out that his dad was, uh, uh, I don't know if he was closeted. It's not really clear if he was closeted or if he just right. liked having having sex with men or or whatever. Um, and it just like throws him for a loop. And he's talking to his son, and he's like, "I think that's why I'm so messed up." And the son's like, "Yeah, you, you think that's what it is? <laughs> that's that's what all right." Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, the father, has a line at one of the dinners where they're talking about imperialism and colonialism, and he's like, well, "What are we supposed to do? Just feel bad about it all the time? That does what does that do?" And then and then he does like some hand waving of yeah whatever. But I do think that a lot of people feel that way, um, and I think it's interesting to see. Uh, I think the show really explores like why he might feel that way. Um, and especially that whole family is very much about like how they might, how you might like have that same kind of uh, liberal existential dread and the different like responses to it, whether it's using all the buzzwords and then ultimately kind of like retreating into it and just like trying to act like you're smarter than everybody, but really you just, you just want it because it's it's pretty good for you or whether you're just hand waving it all or you know connie Britton's always going on about how hard her son has it because she can't hire straight white men at her company anymore right. um and you see the same thing with uh jennifer coolidge's character who is going to help out belinda who is another character that we didn't really mention but she's the like the spa manager at the at the resort and she's a masseuse and she connects with Jennifer Coolidge and Jennifer Coolidge is like, I'm going to set you up with a business and all this other stuff. And Belinda gets her hopes up. And then at the end, Jennifer Coolidge is like, oh, well, yeah, mm, never mind. I don't want to do that. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like she totally just like used this person up and well, threw them away. E 
even more than that, she describes it as like, I have a habit of getting into situations where I use money to control other people. And I recognize that that's a bad thing. And so I'm not going to give you money. So it's like, she justifies it as being like, oh, I have issues. Sorry, where, you know, if I were to do this for you, it would actually be bad for both of us. Uh, really, I'm so, doing you a favor by not helping you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's it's an interesting, it's like, yeah, there's there's a lot of, I don't know, it's smart, it's, it's, it's well written. Like there's a lot of uh, good complicating of things, like where... Yeah. He, uh we're not we're not able to sort of just i don't know the the yeah i don't know <laughs> it's well That's, written what can i say <laughs> i think all the characters are really fully realized too like they always yeah. whatever decisions they make feel very true to who they are and i think we maybe talk about the ending here and how some people so you're not you're not on Twitter right now because you're making healthy life choices. But there were some people who were kind of like torn about the ending, I guess, um, or like they didn't like it or left them feeling conflicted. And like Vulture did this whole interview with Mike White when it ended and was like, oh, how do you feel about the ending? Maybe it's like not maybe it's not good. I don't know. How do you feel? And he was like, I don't, I don't remember what he said exactly, but like. I think that the reason that people feel this way is because the big the big reveal at the end is that um, Armand is the is the man who died and Shane killed him with a knife in the pineapple suite um, when he finally got there because uh, Armand had just taken a shit in his luggage because Shane's the worst um, and uh, it's it's kind of accidental but you you see. Uh, you know, Shane gets away with it because it, it was it, because like why wouldn't he? And uh, Rachel, who has spent the entire season being like, no, I don't like slowly realizing how awful Shane is, and at the end is like ready to leave him, and then at the end, end, she just like comes right back because like yeah. what else is she gonna do? Right. And I think a lot of people saw that as like, oh, that's just so frustrating, and. I think that yeah. that's just like very true to her character and yeah it is frustrating but it's like yeah it's supposed to be uh yeah. I like i don't know what you thought she was gonna do there i didn't think she was gonna leave i think i think any kind of catharsis in this show would have been like a week uh would have weakened it because it like it it's a social critique and a satire that is you know criticizing a lot of elements of privileged you know upper class culture in america and if you if you give everybody you know this cathartic ending where it's like ooh they escaped their problems it's like no because the point is like we have the, the point is like those people in our society haven't escaped those problems um i think anyway so like yeah. it it is unsatisfying it is uncomfortable but i don't really see how anything besides that would have been um, more true to sort of the overall portrait that's being painted or like you're saying the individual characters um, that you know are being I don't know because it's like if if she if she at the end is like no you suck bye then we're like oh yeah she's a good character and it's like she's she's not really a good character she's a part of the whole thing she's a you know a party to it and you know, the the reasons she's like, oh, this is bad is because she's like, oh, the fantasy is not she doesn't actually gain any awareness of what's happening around her or the system that she's inside. She's just like the fantasy I had of this situation is not living up to what I thought it would be. Interesting. I had a different read on the on the end there, uh, which is that I feel like she does realize her place in, or like what the system is and, and she she's like gives into yeah it. and she's like yeah who yeah, cares yeah. it's it's the best i'm gonna get right. um is is to be this man's trophy wife yeah. uh there and uh, you know which that worse, may be that may be more things. that may be more accurate accurate but like i think i think the point is she never she never comes to a place of like actual um 
like all of her examination of her place within this larger structure is focused on herself, not on the impact that like she's like, I don't want to be a trophy wife because I don't want to hold that position within this dynamic. You know, she ultimately doesn't care about the the, the hotel workers oh, or no. the, you know, any of that stuff. So it's like she totally lets Shane. She totally doesn't like really say anything when Shane is just like badgering this man. Like, yeah. In, in Armand and like at the very end at some point she's like can you just like leave him alone but it's always because he's ruining her honeymoon not yeah, because yeah. he's being a cruel vindictive asshole right like that that's not what matters to her I did want to ask you about um what you think of the the endings like the one bit of catharsis we get which is the son Quinn yes. he abandons the family when they're going home and he runs back to the beach where he's been forced to sleep the entire time because his sister is an asshole. And go ahead. I was, when I was rewatching, uh, when I was rewatching, I had this realization that the mom, like it, this is an interesting part of the dynamic between the mom and the sister because the mom keeps blaming the sister. Like, you know, stop being so mean to your brother. Stop making him sleep in the, 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 the kitchen. kitchen. Stop making him sleep on the beach. It's like, she is an adult. It's presumably <laughs> the the suite that like she booked. She's the one like ultimately she's the one who's responsible for her son having an appropriate sleeping arrangement. She yeah. she just keeps doing this thing where she like passes the blame off on her daughter for something that like is not her daughter's like her son is not her daughter's responsibility. So true. And so she just lets her daughter like walk all over her and like you know, and but but just constantly complains about like how her daughter should be treating her son better, and it's a it, I don't know I don't know what that says about that character large more broadly within society, but uh, it's a fascinating aspect of that dynamic. But anyway, yeah, that, he's yeah, been that, sleeping on the beach because yeah, he's been sleeping on the beach because his sister is like you're gonna perv on us if you're yeah. watching. She just keeps accusing him of like jerking off all the time, which it, it does appear like he is maybe doing at the beginning, but you know he kind of has like this. He loses all of his technology in the in the way in the ocean while he's sleeping there on the beach and he ends up like actually kind of connecting with nature a little bit and he like yes. sees a whale and then he joins these people who are canoeing every day and they're going on like a like a, a huge like canoeing trip. I don't there's a there's a name for it. Don't have it off the top of my head. But uh you know, it's like a a, a Pacific Islander kind of thing that uh, tradition and he ditches his family at the end uh and he goes and he just like goes and paddles with them um and i think it's definitely framed as like well he had a he kind of had like that kind of transformative yes. fantastical uh vacation experience so right. i just you know i wanted to i wanted to throw it to you and like what did you think of that catharsis because you were talking about how right. the show kind of like denies us catharsis yeah well, I mean, I think so that's that's the closest thing that the show comes to actually giving some kind of an answer. And it's like ultimately the answer isn't in him. It's in some kind of return to nature, which is a theme that's been like really prevalent in media uh, recently. I've seen it in a lot of things. It's basically I wonder the, why <laughs> the thesis of like Pixar's soul. Um, something else that was really popular recently had that pretty explicitly as like the theme. It was like nature good. Uh, <laughs> where there's like a moment of like, oh, you you open your eyes and you're like, I see nature, and then that just like solves all your problems. I mean, I Miyazaki hasn't made any new movies, but I'm sure right. that's what it would be about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's maybe a little bit reductive, but I think overall that's like a um a fairly positive message, I think, and and one that speaks to a lot of. You know, there's things like inside doesn't end with that kind of explicit uh, endorsement of like getting outside, but that's kind of the implied answer to the the the, the problem, um, in a in a sense. Uh, so I don't know. It fits neatly within a larger thematic theme that I've been seeing in a lot of media media of like, if we paid more attention to nature, it would probably be good for everybody. I don't know if that really solves imperialism no or capitalism necessarily and that's but... the other question is like is he is quinn just using these people right for uh is he kind of just cosplaying as is it real an islander in order to like 
have this kind of like shaman like experience um which is also like very colonial and very uh imperial i guess right. of like yeah. oh you guys exist to fulfill my needs um which i don't i i'll say i don't think that that's kind of what is going on there um i i can definitely see that argument but i think that he is i think more than just returning to nature he's like trying to actually experience another person's culture right uh, or that and other he's, culture he's not a, he doesn't really assert himself onto them they actually kind of invite him into the scenario so it's right it's like he kind of comes at their behest uh, and I don't, I mean, are they a part, they launch from the resort, but I don't really get the sense that they're like a part of the resort. So I don't, I don't think, think they're being that they... like paid by, it was a little no. bit unclear, but I don't think they're being paid. They're not like employees of the resort. So they're not there explicitly to like serve him as a guest. They're just, you know, Islanders. That definitely are... wasn't my, my impression. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem that way. So they're just Islanders who are there and he finds uh he finds at least you know some truer sense of life in engaging with you know them and this the, the natural environment that's around him um, and the the final scene that we see him before they leave the hotel he's back in the the kitchen closet where he has to sleep because he's not sleeping on the beach anymore but he's just instead of connie Britton like knocks on the door and earlier when she did that, he was just like on his Nintendo Switch or whatever or or watching porn or, or whatever. And this time she opens it and he's reading about this culture and the and the canoe trip. And I feel like I feel like that's the closest answer is to be like you should actually like try to understand and experience right. these other cultures rather than just consume them for yeah. your own uh whether that's because you're having them serve you or because you're watching this luau and you're like, oh, look at us. Look at this. Uh, no, they really enjoy doing this for us or whatever. Or like this is them showing their culture, um, even though it's like on stolen land. But as opposed to what Quinn does, which is kind of just like, I'm going to just try and like be with these people for a bit. Um, you know, he always he, there's it's obviously different because he could always yeah, just like yeah. go home whenever he wants. Um and you know maybe he does maybe his parents do come and like steal him back but right, right. <laughs> who knows how successful maybe in season two we'll see him like paddling past in the background <laughs> or something <laughs> but uh yeah no it's it's one of the strongest uh i think like i it, it's this is this is obviously a a um oversimplification of i think how the the show percent presents it but it's one of the strongest sort of like technology, bad, like g go outside messages that I've ever seen like in television. Um, and I don't know, like that might be overly simplistic, but I don't know that it's a bad message uh, to a certain degree. I think something that complicates that though is that the flip side of that is his, is his sister who is always reading outside she's never like on her phone or anything like that she's always reading these like very intellectual books about like imperialism colonialism marxism whatever and she's always like outside lounging with her friend and they're like doing stuff but she's like the opposite right she right, just yeah. she only wants to see this culture from a from a distance uh just more like an anthropologist where he's kind of like oh that sounds fun let's like yeah. i'll i'll do that and she's like very uh keeping it at arm's length i guess yeah there's there's one scene where shane goes up to the two girls and is flirting with them in front of his fiance and he asks them about the books and they literally say oh no these are just props and i'm pretty he, like they might be serious yeah I, I think my my reading of that as kind of the show progressed was i was like oh they're they're serious because they go through a lot of different books in the space of like I don't know how much time the show actually covers it's like a little a over a week oh it's a week yeah. so yeah. it's like I don't care how fast of a reader you are you're probably not bla those two girls are not blazing through Nietzsche and Freud <laughs> in a day and then moving on to like the next thing so it's like it wouldn't be fun I don't know why fun. I don't know why you would do that <laughs> so like 
there's a they're they're either just not reading them or don't care or or it's i think it kind of speaks to this broader like impression of like there's a certain type of um you know and i think we are it's slightly the generation below us so i don't want to critique them too heavily but i think we're party to it too no we're supposed to we're supposed to start a generational war didn't you right right yeah we're we're a part of it so i think i can like criticize it uh without being like punching down too much but they were on tiktok there's yeah yeah there's a (laughs) sense of like oh i i'm informed like i'm not like the mom you know i'm not like i'm informed i know more i know the buzzwords i've read the books or whatever and so it's like there's a sense of superiority that can come from that but uh a lot of that knowledge for the characters in the show is ultimately kind of empty or just you know prop they're they're like props to like show like hey i'm very woke but it doesn't actually amount to anything at least for the daughter the daughter yeah um and so i think there's like a little bit of a critique that i think is wise of a trend um with our generation and some of the people right below us of like doing that where it's like you kind of have to knowing stuff is great learn educating yourself whatever but you have to like you have to do something with that if you just sit there and like shrug your shoulders it's like it doesn't it doesn't matter um i'm i'm like you know i i think that that's good i think that that generation like moving further left is from my political biases is like good i like that but it is kind of like like it's better than the mom who is doing who is doing the exact same thing probably for like right, yeah. that previous generation but it is just like the next generation of the same thing yeah it's yeah, just yeah. like it's just like oh you get to and and it's like a lot of elitism towards that previous generation it's like oh well i know yeah this and this and this and this but yeah. she still she still brings her friend essentially as as a, an accessory right and she tries to take everything of hers that she can and she doesn't really care about her or any of those things she just she almost uses her as like a prop to fight her mom. Yeah. Honestly, she's like, "Oh well, I don't like all of these imperial things because, I mean, look how uncomfortable it makes Paula, and all this other stuff." And uh, yeah, no, it, I mean, it's, I think, I think it's better than than the neocon, but you know, it's still not like actually what she's preaching. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, there, the that's 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 what I would say is the trap is like, is thinking you've progressed just because you've adopted additional uh, like um, knowledge, which it's like knowledge yeah. is definitely a step in moving in a certain direction, but like just because you've gained the knowledge doesn't mean you've you've made the 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 movement so to speak. So. Uh, but yeah, I'll stop ragging on <laughs> Gen Zs because I think. Look, hey, look, like we make videos telling people what we think about, just sharing our knowledge. So yes, it's kind yeah. of uh, it's, we're really no better. So <laughs> exactly, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And I cr- think that it's acknowledging that we're no better that we become better right. than people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great score too. Uh, yeah, the score is uncomfortable. It's um, very. Uh, this was a show. This was one of those shows where, like, I see a show like this, and I'm like, man, I I have like it feels so fully formed. I'm like, all these people must have done really great, amazing stuff before. Uh, but like, I mean, Mike White has some credentials. I looked up. Uh, the I mean, don't don't belittle the emoji movie <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not i'm not belittling the emoji movie i'm sure it's i'm sure it's just as biting and and smart of a social commentary as the white lotus is cinema um, <laughs> uh but i was like i was like oh this this show feels to me like a uh like a high watermark for most of the people who were a part of it, like the cast, the like, uh, like Alexandria 
Dodario, is that how you say her last name? Sounds um, good to me. She, I've seen her in some other stuff. She's great, but like this was definitely the best performance I've seen from her. Yeah. Um, same of any of the cast members, uh, except uh, maybe Connie Britton, who's definitely been around. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen much from her, but uh, but and then the the score and from Mike White as well. I'm like. I could see these like this being a turning point at which like we see a lot more um, great stuff from everybody who was involved with this. And I guess, like you said, there's a season two yeah. coming already. So one of the things that's really interesting about uh, um, the show is it seems like it really came together very quickly. Like part of the reason it's all shot at one location is because it was shot during the pandemic for like, and they yeah. just had it was just more feasible to do it that way. Yeah. Um, I was reading something that said that it was partially greenlit because of that reason. Like it would be really easy to produce during the pandemic. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see something come from such a like practical uh, source um, because usually that leads you to just like a boom in reality TV right? Um, as opposed to something that's like an HBO miniseries now actual series of of like six really fully realized episodes it it's um there's a trend that's going on i haven't really seen people talking about it maybe you have and you you read more uh stuff about tv but there's there's a trend that's happening from a from a technical perspective uh i didn't really see it coming but i can put i can put together the pieces that i see are leading to this but there's all these things like led lighting um more easy camera stabilization uh, with gimbals. Uh, cameras themselves are getting cheaper and higher uh, ISO. They can shoot better in low light, so you need less lighting equipment. There's all these like technological advances that have happened over the last 10 years that are, I think, leading to a it being a lot. Um, people can make shows that have like a higher standard in terms of visual grammar and lighting and just like look really polished and well put together with a lot less resources than you would have needed to, to yeah. create that kind of um, that kind of thing in the past. And this really made me think of that because it looks great and but it 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 was probably a fairly pared down production. It, it, you, you know, you probably wouldn't yeah. need that much to uh, to pull something I, like this off. I was thinking about how like seasons of shows are getting shorter and shorter um and even like even like run times are getting shorter um sometimes you know except not, for this it it, yeah, it not, is a different this. a full a full hour hbo full 60 hour. minutes of television just hits a little bit different you're like um, that extra 10 minutes feels so long <laughs> it's interesting because i was i was reading about uh i was reading uh an old essay from emily nussbaum the TV critic and she was writing about Adventure Time um, which is the, you know an animated show for kids and stoners I guess um, <laughs> and and uh, each episode of that is only like 11 minutes long and I was watching uh, Spongebob the other night because I'm a kid and or stoner I guess and uh, it's obviously two episodes of the same length and I was just thinking about how everything is getting like more condensed um, and that's upping the quality and because so many more people are able to make stuff because of these lower barriers to entry i think we're seeing just a lot more like uh stuff that's shorter and more um concentrated kind of in terms of like quality um like all the netflix seasons are usually like 10 episodes whereas back in the day like as recently as like 2005 you were trying to make 25 episodes in a season yeah. and you reuse you have to like reuse a lot of the same like uh sets and lighting and stuff in order to kind of like cut costs that way and now because we're lowering the costs of all those things you don't have to do that and it makes for a lot richer storytelling and yeah. uh and just there's a lot less filler the 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 content revolution is still fully under way it is like yeah. I think a lot of people, I think there's a lot, I think anyone who is not on TikTok doesn't, is going to be kind of blindsided by like the next 10 years because I see a lot of stuff on there and I'm like, the kids that are growing up making content on here, once they become the next, 
generation of consumers and producers, it's it, it's going to be like a completely different uh, landscape because it's changing the language of stuff and it's all it's democratizing things so it's like a whole different set of content and style of storytelling that is that that people are watching and using and the lang- the like the language of it itself you have all these people who are like one example is you have all these people who you know do sketch shows essentially on yeah. TikTok and they play all the roles and it's like I wouldn't be surprised if in you know, within five years, we see an actual like show that come ends up on Netflix or HBO or one of these streaming services where they just get one of those people, give them a to show, do all the roles, and they just play all the roles themselves. Um, not that that's There's... like the future of content, but yeah. I'm just saying like that's one example of how like new it's... new standards and new pieces of like what people find interesting and and. Uh, and also just acceptance, right? Yes, um, yeah. Like, that, that's been done before. Like, um, I don't know, like, whatever Tyler Perry's up to, he usually plays a bunch of roles in it. And, right, uh, yeah. Eddie Murphy did, like, a bunch of different characters in Norbit. And there was a, there was a commercial series back in the 2000s where LeBron James played, like, a bunch of different versions of himself in all these commercials. And they were pretty funny. Um, but... I think that you're right. Like nobody's going to think of it as like a a gag anymore, right? Because um, it's so normalized as like a a general way of talking. Like I think as an editor, one of the greatest things about this content revolution is the fact that people don't care about jump cuts anymore, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> like pe- when I was growing up and I was in film school, even before that, everyone was like, "No, you got to hide all the jump cuts. Jump cuts are bad. Jump cuts are bad. Jump cuts are bad." And uh, here are all the reasons why. And we learned why. And now people just don't care anymore because they're so used to content being edited so quickly on somebody's phone and just being pumped out because, you know, everyone has access to cameras and editing, but not everybody has that, like, editing training um, to be like, oh, jump cuts are bad. Slash maybe they don't have the time or care that much. And it's just taken off where you can throw jump cuts in and nobody cares. Yeah. And nobody's going to think twice and it's kind of great <laughs> and maybe turns out they aren't actually bad it's just about yeah, like right. <laughs> what you're trying to do with the you know it's only bad within a certain context so if we change the context then yeah i'm not saying like i'm not saying like uh scorsese should start putting jump cuts in the in uh the he Irish does oh, there's, does he? there's i actually i actually made a video cataloging all the jump cuts in the irishman there's like 10 of them oh wow uh, just at like random kind of random spots that's he that's, must be on TikTok. That's all. Uh, that's all the the. You can give the credit to that to Thelma Shoemaker though. She's uh, his his editor. His editor. She is it, like I've been watching a lot of Scorsese movies because I just finished up a video about him. And there's like every every movie. There's like one moment where there's just like a piece of editing, and I'm like, how did? I've seen an interview with her or. There, there was some like editing documentary I think she was on, and it was, I was like very blown away. I was blown away by her and uh, Tarantino's editor because Tarantino was like, I want the entire date scene in Pulp Fiction to be the length of an actual date, and she yeah, was like, yeah. How about no? And then yeah. she won. <laughs> I have a, th- I have, th- have you ever heard my Tarantino theory, which is, uh, that's. That's what happened to Tarantino. <laughs> oh, that he lost his editor? He was good. Tarantino was good. He lost his editor. And then Tarantino became... Tarantino movies got worse. It's, and they got longer, yeah. Not everybody agrees with that. But, like, earlier Tarantino movies, I enjoy a lot more than uh, some of his later stuff. Or at least there's, like... If you watch almost any of his later movies, except I don't think uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was that bad, but, like, Django... Um, and Inglorious Bastards, especially. There's like moments in those movies where you're like, oh, it just should have been like, it didn't need that much. This much it's, time, yeah. It's like fine, yeah. but especially in Django, there's like a whole scene where like he's in the scene. Scorsese's, or not Scorsese, yeah, Tarantino's yeah. like in the scene. I'm yep. like, this whole scene just needs to be cut. And she wasn't around anymore to tell him no. 
and yeah. he just like oh and the hateful eight was the wor- the way too long hateful eight's the worst yeah of yeah the, of and the it's bunch. like he lost he lost his editor who would tell him no and i'm sure whoever no apologies to whoever edits his his uh his i'll look it up now but they must be more of that they probably are more of a, a yes man or woman than the previous editor sally menke the last one that she edited was Inglorious Bastards. She did not edit uh, Django Unchained. Okay, so there you see the division. Or the Hateful Eight, yeah. Okay, so Sally or... Mankey did a great job. Whoever followed that. <laughs> I'm sure the editor, the editor was they probably suck. fine. I blame Tarantino completely. I blame Tarantino completely. I have no problem. <laughs> I have no problem criticizing Quentin. Yeah, I have no problem. Uh, yeah, I think I think it, I think a little more Tarantino uh, critique is probably healthy. <laughs> well, maybe we've gone completely off the rails. Maybe we should <laughs> maybe we should do a wrap up of the show, and I'll splice that in some. I'll splice that yeah, in somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know where you're gonna end it, so I, I don't like, I know don't, how to tie. I don't know either. I don't know how to like tie. Yeah. So White Lotus, great show. Uh, both I we both liked it. Both big thumbs up. Um, White Lotus was quite enjoyable. I'll be looking forward to season two. Um, it's really got my mind in the succession headspace, which is great. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which that comes tease? back in two months. We want to. Uh, we we're gonna we'll finish Twin Peaks at some point and do another Twin Peaks <laughs> episode. Uh, and then uh, we also are. I can cut this out if we don't want to talk about it, but. I, Think we're hoping I to think, yeah, rewatch to. Succession, and we might be be talking about Succession at some. Point I mean, I started last night, so you know, yeah, get it together, Thomas. What uh, do we have? What do I have? Two months. You've t- it's in October is when in Succession October. is coming back, okay. which is very frustrating. Yeah, like, can you give me? Well, Survivor's coming back September twenty second, so like Succession <laughs> could be back in a month, or it could be back in two months. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, so. I, I'm I'm guessing probably like the second week of yeah, October, yeah. Uh, that Sunday. You could probably we could probably like read the tea leaves, figure out what they have on now. Figure out when yeah. it when it ends and Succession probably comes back the next week. But um, well, at some point we'll have <laughs> you know people people who watch people who listen to this podcast watch this show know we have a very regular schedule. Very so, regular. <laughs> so keep your eyes peeled. We're, I'm sure we'll have you know, some more episodes coming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we took the last couple of months off, but I think we're, you know, I think we're back now. I'm calling it. Yeah, I'm yeah. calling it. This we're back. It. <laughs> we're back for good. You want to leave? You want to leave people with a show recommendation? Oh, um, I've I'm been watching. You on the spot. Sure, I've been watching uh, Reservation Dogs, uh, which oh, is yeah. on FX. That's pretty good. Um, I finished the Harley Quinn show like two weeks ago which is the on HBO Max. That was a lot of fun. I did not expect that to be as fun as it was. Um, I, I watched Hacks uh, on on HBO. That was great. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, yeah. I With uh, Gene Smart and yeah. a bunch of people that you don't know because, I, well, I mean, maybe you know them. I don't know them. Uh, <laughs> Everybody's talking about them. <laughs> Everybody's. And, uh, you know, I think you should probably check out White Lotus. <laughs> it's a good show. It's a good show. I'll recommend. Uh, I'll recommend. Uh, I think you should. It's old news now, but I think you should leave season two. Uh, did you like which, season two? If you liked the White Lotus, uh, I had a realization this morning that the White Lotus is just a protracted uh, <laughs> sketch. A protracted. I think you should leave sketch, and that Shane is just a Tim Robinson character. Shane brought, is a Tim Robinson character brought to life in much more harrowing. Uh, detail. I don't know if people um, like come back after the after they like skip all the spoiler section. I don't know if that's how people will consume this. So I won't spoil the end of uh, White the, Lotus. The end of White Lotus. But Shane is definitely the hot dog guy, where he's just like, <laughs> "Who did this? Yes. Who yes. could have done this?" <laughs> well, that's my whole theory about. Uh, I think you should leave. Is it's it's. Almost not every sketch, but most of those sketches are about that specific kind of like white male entitlement. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like the the whole show is kind of a send up of like guys who are like, it's a specific kind of guy who like has one little issue or one little thing in the scenario that's like not how they want it to be, 
and, and then like as soon fit. yeah or like they misunderstand something and then as soon as everybody's like what well, why are you making such a big deal out of this they, they like play the victim they're like oh, uh, what but with the pool the plunge pool <laughs> so yeah it's a, the, the pineapple sweet you know with the pineapples season pineapple season two of i think you should leave is is maybe not quite as much of a banger as like season one season but, i mean it's uh, hard to live up to that it's it's a saw i i love i love the show that's one of the only hannah and i like rewatch rewatch season one periodically that's one of the only shows we like go back to and rewatch and it's quote like all the time it's a very so. good rewatch uh jackson where where um can people find you you have since the last time we talked, you've put out a couple, a uh, couple big uh, videos, I think. Probably, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you can find me at Skip Intro on YouTube, and on Twitter at Skip Intro YT. I got a videos about spooky cop shows, TM, uh, which is about like shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Fringe, and I make it look like I'm going to talk about Twin Peaks, but I don't. It's really, it's really, I think, pretty uh, ingenious. (laughs) Misdirection. Yeah. Um, And just about how how those things have changed from being, like, very anti-establishment with, like, the X-Files and Buffy. And now they're just totally co-opted by, um, they're just full cops now. Uh, And then I did another video about the show Lucifer, which I've mentioned several times on this podcast, uh, which is about what if the devil also was a cop (laughs) and uh yeah no it's it's what if right (laughs) yep (laughs) what if i you know completely implausible scenario by the way with that premise it's you you could see it easily being like the cops are actually evil but no that's not what they're they're yeah yeah it's like actually the devil's good right, right. <laughs> actually ever this this punishing man <laughs> who rules hell actually the best dude because yeah. he's punishing evil so that's fun oh man good times yeah <laughs> um do i ask you where they can find you i feel like they know uh right here <laughs> i am with i'm with us <laughs> uh uh, I'm, I'm, I have a big video that's probably been out for a little while by the time you're seeing this about, uh, Scorsese and religion of all things. So, uh, that was, that's fun. Yeah. We'll probably talk right before or right around the next season of succession. Hopefully. Yeah, I think so. At least before then. About uh, Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I have to, I have to plan out when I'm going to watch everything. All of a sudden, there was like no TV for all the su- for the whole year, and then all of a sudden it was like, now, no, now there's a ton of TV. It's hit. So, it hit, yeah. And I, w- I was not. I don't know if I could have like prepared better, but. All right. Well. Uh, <laughs> the structure. The structure of this show has been all over the place. This guy, This is a rambling be- intro. A talk about the White Lotus. Some other stuff that m- may or may not get cut. <laughs> They have to subscribe for the the director's edition, the director's commentary, and then uh, uh, plugging our stuff before giving the recommendation. Yeah, yeah. genius. It's either going to be a wild ride for the audience or a wild ride for me trying to edit it. <laughs> One of those two things. <laughs> I think I think we can ask a lot of our audience. Uh, yeah, they've stuck with us this far. <laughs>